Hello, happy Advent, and welcome back to Roots and Branches at New Life Evangelical Free Church. My name is Paul Arneberg, director of Disciple by Doing, the co-host, along with my sidekick and co-host, not a sidekick, Brent Copeland, <laughs> the pastor of New Life E Free Church. I can be your sidekick. Well, not? yeah, I, but no, it's, <laughs> we are we are co-heirs of this podcast, as it were. Yep. Um, and I'm going to tell you, when I was a kid, uh, one thing we're going to start doing, by the way, we're going to start trying to do, not trying, but just doing more stories, more organic conversations, and I just came up with this on the fly as Brent and I were pre-programming praying. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a TV guide collection, and uh, I would literally collect TV guides for years and years and years. Not only was I addicted to television in the 70s as a child, I would collect TV guides. And one cover I remember in the 70s was TV's first nighttime Super Bowl. And I thought, well, as a little kid, it like, freaked me out. Like, I had a little zombie uh, football player. And uh, the point was... In the 70s, that was, believe it or not, the advent of lit stadiums. There was yeah. always a Sunday afternoon game. Yeah. And the point is, this is our first ever morning recording of the podcast. So uh, if that were a milestone in the 70s, nighttime Super Bowl, we are now recording in the morning. And it's partly because, praise God, I am on staff now at church, and therefore my hours do command me to be here in the mornings at least four <laughs> days a week. But also, it's uh, w- the good news is, by way of saying it, we're doing in the mornings, we are going to start doing this weekly. Yep. And uh, I know, Brent, you are the one who graciously and, and uh, uh, wisely know how to work the equipment. But the goal is, audience, we're going to record Wednesdays and drop each episode or maybe a pair uh, Wednesday afternoons or Thursday mornings. So if you have been chomping at the bit to hear more episodes, as my brother Tom told me over Thanksgiving break, well, listen kind of midweek and maybe if we record multiples, Brent, you'll probably publish yeah. them more than Wednesdays or Thursdays. Yeah, I'm excited to be able to get a little more regularity. So it's going to be really fun. And the morning, the morning is like, I'm a morning person. Yes, you so are. Extreme I'm morning good with person. This, yes. Yeah. So and I'm adjusting. Good. My average bedtime is getting down, 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 which is good, but that's a lifetime of being a night owl, speaking of nighttime Super Bowl. I <laughs> want to start, though, before we get into our topic of the day, Brent, yep. uh, I would love to share an admonition to the audience. You've heard me often in the last 28 episodes, by the way, this is episode 29, in the last 28 episodes, I've spoken frequently about the need to be disciplined in Bible reading. And again, we as Christians cannot give a formula. We can't say unless you read the Bible every year or unless you read the Bible every day even, but we just want to say, use it as your daily bread. I have heard people say uh, they don't even read the Bible until they eat breakfast because you got to eat the Word of God before you eat. But that's another discussion, and we have referred to it. The other thing that you might consider, audience, as we approach 2024, begin prayer journaling. When one prayer journals, you get to not only with your pen in hand, uh, maybe on the laptop or tablet or something, but I like the physical paper with a physical uh, pen and a spiral-bound notebook that fits right in my Bible. I log at least every day, the date and what passage I read in the Bible. And then most days, I will also list petitions, thanksgivings, uh, and just comments. And I just want to share something I did exactly two months ago, my first week on the job here at New Life. I read in my devotions, Psalm 118 and Proverbs 28. And, And one of my entries in my prayer journal was, I love Psalm 118. And I wrote an entry. I said, from Jughead's closure to New Life EFC vocational ministry, dot, dot, colon, And here's the the verse I transcribed, Psalm 118, verse 5. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me Mm. and set me in a broad place. And in my Bible and in my note uh, prayer journal, I, I knew that, boy, that was my fifth day on the job. 
I had desperately called out to the Lord for so many years for reprieve in what I had struggled with, burnout, with self-doubt, other things in my Jughead's ministry. Mm. Again, he blessed me richly, even through the end, not without my grumbling. I I often was like Moses. (laughs) I was a reluctant leader. But the reason I say that, audience, is the Lord used a, a systematic Bible reading entry, Psalm 118. He had the verse five jump off the page at me, and I realized that is uh, evidence of my answer to prayer. And then a, a, more, a more innocuous one recently, um, just before Thanksgiving, I saw a little baby bird on the sidewalk outside of our studio here, which is also New Life Church in Hastings, <laughs> and it was on the ground. And I picked up the little birdie, and, and actually, I had him in a paper towel. I was going to bring him back to the woods behind our building, but instead I put him in the corner of the building or, or away from the wind. And I wasn't sure if he was dead. He was kind of in shock. He was blinking. So I prayed. I said, Lord, would you please heal this bird? So I put him over there. Yep. And then I walked over there a few hours later. He was gone. And so I thought, boy, um, no, I'm not a hunter. I'm not against eating meat. I do that. But I thought to save that little bird. The point is, I put that in my prayer journal too. And I thought that little moment of caring for a small creature that got mm-hmm. stunned by flying into our double glass doors... Um, um, was another way. So the other thing, I'll, I'll put a bow on the uh, prayer journal uh, introduction, which is long. Yep. Um, every year, I then go back and read a whole year worth of prayer journal entries, yeah. and I see how has the Lord worked through my life. And I see threads and patterns, like whether I'm grumbling too much, whether I have mm. uh, called out in the Lord properly. And then one of my prayers is, Lord, give me the faith now to know later you will answer me. So right now, I pray in faith for you to answer me then. Yeah. So anyway, Brett, that's a long introduction. But I, I, now that we are in the full swing of Advent, yep. and we're heading toward 2024, I would love it if our listeners, especially those who go to New Life Church, consider prayer journaling next year. Yeah, I, I've used the same practice yes. and found it to be so helpful in articulating uh, prayer requests and things that I'm, are, I'm pondering, things that I need to talk to the Lord about. And sometimes it's easy to lose focus if you're in, in prayer. And and so, yeah, prayer journals are wonderful, yes. wonderful. So. so today's topic, uh, we are going to talk more about intentional discipleship. Yeah. We've talked often in the last year about disciple by doing. Uh, today, we're going to go a little more deeply in the idea of intentional discipleship. And, and might I just say, by way of connection, if Bible reading is a discipline, which it is, if prayer journaling is a discipline, which I believe it is, also discipling others is a discipline of all ages. And and so, Brent, you have a resource you're going to refer to today, and uh, we would love it if if every Christian listening would think about intentional ways to disciple those who are either younger in the faith or younger chronologically or both. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we're going to do as we do some more podcasts here is occasionally bring in some resources that we feel like are super helpful, mm-hmm. things that either we found personally to be edifying or things that we know would be helpful for the body. So um, one of those resources that we're going to kind of chat through a little bit of the concepts, at least today, is a book called Family Discipleship, uh, Leading Your Home Through Time, Moments, and Milestones. And this book, Family Discipleship, is by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin, and it came out a few years ago. um, The 2020. Yeah, and it it was a helpful resource for me to, to glean some broader ideas and concepts about how you do things in your household, whether you're an individual living in a household, or you're uh, you're married, you you may be an empty nester, or yet to have children, or or or, or don't, and then, or if you've got family members who are extended family living with you, or whether you have your own kids or grandkids, that there's so much intentionality mm-hmm. that we can put into place about following God together 
and not sort of take those things for granted. And so this book just helped to open up some of that stuff. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Excellent. Yeah, I think of the book of Proverbs, which is essentially, if I'm not mistaken, Brent, it's essentially a father speaking to his son, which is kind of the one of the most fundamental uh, areas of discipleship, a parent and a child. But also, fast forward to the New Testament, I think of Paul and Timothy. Paul uh, called Timothy his spiritual son. So this really does cover every generation, every demographic. You need not be married to be a disciple. You need not be a parent. There are some classic examples of like the, the father-son and, and spiritual father-son uh, or mother-daughter or whatever the relationship may be. So there are some yep. concepts that you can begin fleshing out. I know that this has been valuable to you. I just started reading it a little bit this week, and we have it in our New Life uh, Family Library, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. So where it starts, and I think this is just broadly how we want to try and understand what it means to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, which that word disciple, let's just be really clear, mm. it means a learner, mm -hmm. a student, a follower. And so if you're a follower of Jesus... We want to see, and this is our encouragement to all of you, is that it, it, your life of following Jesus affects every part of who you are. Mm -hmm. It affects your home and your workplace and your interactions with other people, your own even self-understanding, of course, and your in your in the depths of your heart. Like there's not something that's off limits to the lordship of Jesus. That's right. right? <laughs> every <cool>. square inch, <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Um, and so when we talk about intentionality, we're talking about bringing a sense of focus and purpose to how we view the different rhythms and different relationships and different things we do in life so that discipleship, following Jesus, being a student and learner of Jesus as you follow him, that it becomes a whole life reality. Yes. A wholehearted reality, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So the initial thing to get started talking about is that one of the most important things in being intentional as a disciple of Jesus is, and especially as you interact with others, is that we often, and maybe most importantly, need to model mm. what it means to follow Jesus in the ordinary and often mon seemingly mundane things, mm -hmm. all of a sudden gain a sense of spiritual significance. And so that is the foundation, because I think sometimes in the church world, we can sort of see Sunday morning is like primetime. You talked about the Super Bowl. It's yeah. almost like, that's the Super Bowl. Like, that's the big event. Yeah. And wow, I'm going to put so much stock into getting everything I need spiritually out of this one hour, hour and a half. I'm going to let my kids go to the kids ministry, and I hope those people disciple my kids well. And when I get home, I don't I don't have any spiritual disciplines for myself, or yeah. I don't talk to my kids about Jesus. It's almost like mm. we've we've got a culture in a lot of the evangelical world where we've farmed out disciple-making, discipleship, following Jesus, that wholehearted, whole-life discipleship has gone away. We farmed it out to the professionals. Yes. And that, I mean, I'll just say it bluntly, like, that's wrong. Yes. We need to re-embrace a sense where the primetime time of discipling one another and being discipled as, as an individual is within the context of the web of relationships and community and the seemingly mundane everyday things need mm -hmm. to be redeemed as opportunities to draw us closer to the Lord. Yes, that's right. I, I think of one of the comments that uh, a, a former coach of mine had at our last Juggle Jam last May. Uh, he didn't get married till he was about 33, and then and then he had a firstborn son. And uh, I thought he'd thank me for the years of Jughead's membership or the years of, of being a coach with me. But he said, thank you for modeling for me what it is to be a husband yeah. and a father. I thought, whoa, that really uh, blew me away 
away. In fact, I'll tell it, it's Billy Watson. So any former juggage listening, that was amazing to me because he's a world-class juggler. Yeah. He is now teaching at Harvard, but he thanked me for modeling marriage. And again, I'm not sure if that goes along with our intentionality theme, but he spent so many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours with Wendy and me, everything from vacation to juggling festivals to movie parties to game nights, all the gamut, a whole life really, yep. uh, that that blessed me beyond imagination because I've always said Wendy is my most important relationship in my life, even though I've, I've coached hundreds and thousands of people. But my yep. marriage comes first, and for Billy, yep. he caught it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's an old adage that says there's most imp- things are usually caught and not taught. Yes, yes. <laughs> You've probably heard that before. Yes. There is so much that is caught. And when you, especially when you talk about young people, but it's really all of us, all of us, even adults, that we learn so much by observing, mm-hmm. by being immersed in relationships with somebody or by watching uh, and, and experiencing someone who relates to us. Mm-hmm. So I know Sarah and I benefited from that as young, uh, married couple, we were engaged and to be married, we were very close with a handful of other, uh, others in our church, um, who were specifically our college ministry director and his wife, Daniel and Sarah. Mm. Um, they, Daniel did our wedding. They did premarital counseling for us. We did it as couples. It was oh, the four of us doing it great. together. But what we would do is show up at their house, eat dinner with his family and his two kids. Oh. And Daniel and Sarah would walk us through then after dinner, after we had dessert, we would go through some topics of like, what is marriage like? What does the Bible say about marriage? How do you deal with conflict? What do do you mean when you say communication? Mm -hmm. And in the context of their home and the regular rhythms of their own family life, we got immersed in watching what healthy marriage looks like biblically. It was amazing. And so that was so Mm life-giving. And it set us, even if we had our own mistakes to make in the future and we had our own path to blaze as our own family, me and Sarah, that we watched another uh, couple mm-hmm. uh, firsthand. Yes. And so it was not just merely conceptual, it was concrete. That's right. And that's so important. Yep. And it, it also reminds me of why it's so important for us as a church family to have social events, to have events where we can let our hair down and be a little bit more loose, whether it's the summer party, yeah. whether it's soup and pie night, whether it's just the, the golden hour, as you call it, between services here, when we have two services here in New Life uh, in Hastings, that is where you get to those organic conversations, which go deep deeper than, let's say, the formal surface, but it also softens the ground, breaks up the fallow ground. So when we do hear the word of God before or after that mingling time, it goes deeper because we have a relational context. Yep. Yep. And it applies to all types of environments. So some of you, uh, there's, you're going to see, as we talk about some of the concepts today, that this very easily and quickly, you can see an application into your home because you're going to see, oh, I'm a parent. Oh, I need mm. to think about these things as I parent. Or yes. I'm, an, I'm an aunt mm-hmm. or an uncle or a grandma or a grandpa. Or I've got uh, family members that I know that I want to have my home be a place and my family to be a place where we have intentional shape mm-hmm. to our discipling uh, to Jesus. Now, there's other contexts, though. You can imagine that there's relational context at work. If you're out in the workplace, you probably have formal interactions with with your colleagues. Of course. But you probably have soft spots in the day where you're eating lunch together or you're seeing each other in the hallway. The or water you've got cooler. Whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. There are other opportunities where you can 
be intentional mm-hmm. about how you are walking as a disciple of Jesus in whatever context it is. Yes. And it's layers, it's layers of relationship and time that you spend with people. So that's a kind of a broad stroke of what we're what we're getting into today. So um, there's some specifics that come out of this resource that I think will be helpful for us. So the first one, I mean, broadly speaking, we talk about modeling mm-hmm. in the context of, of course, everyday relationships. Um, demonstrating, of course, the gospel in all that we say and do. Yes. And so even simple things like if you know you've done wrong, modeling a sense of the soft-heartedness and repentance. Yes. And I found that to be something so critical even as I parent my kids. Mm-hmm. I've had a number of times where I've had to sit them down and say, Dad made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That means I, I need Jesus just as much as you do. That's right. Wow, it's a powerful moment. And Yeah, and it's a connection on another level of I want my own kids, but I want all the people I interact with to see that I live in the truth of the gospel every day. Mm-hmm. That sometimes that's a struggle. I need to walk by faith, but that in the security of being blood-bought child of God uh, by grace through faith, that I walk in that security even when I fail or mm-hmm. make an error. And so that is part of the modeling, right? So there's all kinds of layers to what it means to be an example of a genuine walk with God. But here's a couple practical things. We're going to talk about time and sort of the quantity of time, Mm -hmm. the quality of that time and the kinds of moments that you spend, and then some milestones along the way. How do you set some of those up? So how does that strike you, Paul? I know one of your favorite phrases is quantity time. That's right. And so why is that? One time I wrote a column for my former newsletter for Jughead's called uh, Love is spelled T-I-M-E. Don't think I made that up. I think it was probably yeah. uh, many different authors have talked about that, but I lived it for so many years, <clears throat> both as a, a coach and business owner, but also growing up. I uh, had the benefit of um, being very close to my mom throughout all of her years that I only overlapped 16 because she died when I was 16. But I recently made a list of uh, adages she would say growing up. And one of them was almost every day she would say, Jesus loves you. And she would walk with, and you know what? This is really important. I just came to my mind. She was somebody with a lot of flaws. Uh, She was somebody that lived really large and she had a lot of emotional uh, expressiveness that was often negative because of some of the trauma in her background, but also because of whatever else I could get into in another podcast perhaps. But for her to then say that Jesus loves me, oh, wow, there's something that transcends my own mom and dad that loves me, someone, because I grew up Catholic and I really was immersed in the fear of the Lord. Yeah. Um, but when she would use those spiritual truths and boil down the Christian faith to that phrase, yep. um, it helped me to see that that transcends any, let's say, uh, yelling at I had that day or, or something else that was a flaw in the, in the works. But the point is, we spent so much time together that uh, it contextualized when she gave me these truth bombs, which like Jesus loves you, <laughs> it helped me to say, wow, that really makes it complete. It's not just having fun with mom, going to Valley Fair with her or learning yeah. to play cards or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then I used that philosophy as I then began to be a leader in my theater department in high school and eventually in my profession with children and youth. Time together allows a person to see every aspect of our opinions as well as our uh, our letting our hair down, to laugh together, to be uh, watching movies, to go on trips, all those things. So uh, I just think that any relationship... Oh, by the way, the other thing I've said over the (laughs) years, uh, any relationship 
that does not laugh together mm. or does not have fun together is an incomplete relationship. Huh. I firmly believe that. Um, I won't mention name, but there's somebody in my extended family where uh, this person had the philosophy, you may not have fun as a family unless there's guests. If it's just our nuclear family, we must work, 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 work. Uh, well, and then and then a lot of the children got jaded by that and look mm. for fun elsewhere. But the family, we all hear the phrase, the family that prays together stays together. Uh, I have not made up a rhyme for for the alternative, but if you play, t- <laughs> oh, how about that? Yeah, there we go. The family that plays together stays together. You need sure. to actually have fun. Yeah. Whether it's simply walks around the neighborhood, which I, you recently talked about with your family, Brent, yeah. or whether it is other traditions that make us enjoy together. Yep. So when there are t- teachable moments, there's a context beyond just giving lectures to the family. Yeah, I love that. And I love your illustration even of just a simple phrase that you can repeat that helps Mm. to bring things to a fine point on what really matters most. That's right. And honestly, let's just talk about a parenting kind of perspective like that, or any relationship where there's a sense of a sense of care and devotion and love for somebody, whether that's a dear friend or another family member. Um, when you say things like Jesus loves you, there's a sense of when you dig into that and you understand that reality truly, mm-hmm. it's a gracious, self-giving, sacrificial love. It's a love <laughs> that he has given you by his grace. Yes. And so then when I then love this other person whom I've said that to, let's say it's one of my kids or a friend, mm-hmm. when that truth is the ultimate and guiding truth, as I then model love to them day by day, I can then make that connection to say, you know that Jesus loves you, and my love for you is, I want to love you just like Jesus does, which is that he loves you with his grace, with his abundance, with a self-giving reality, by loving you just because of who you are Mm -hmm. as my beloved child, rather than what you can do for me and what you have earned. And so in in a lot of ways, without the gospel, without that reality of being loved by God through Jesus Christ and the work that he has done on the cross for us, love in in even a familial relationship, in a family, can turn into works. Mm-hmm. It can turn into legalism. It can turn into, I need to earn my dad's favor. Mm-hmm. And in a, you got to be free from that. Yeah, but you do. How then as an aunt or an uncle or grandparent or a friend, do you love someone with a gospel kind of love, like a love that reflects the love of Jesus? Mm-hmm. You do it self-sacrificially. You do it genuinely. You do it because that person, because you love that person with the same kind of uh, graciousness that God has shown us in Christ. That you got to make that connection, yes. you know, and you live in that reality. That's intentional modeling of discipleship to others, mm-hmm. and it yeah. puts the gospel on display. And I, another word that many Christians are familiar with is agape, the agape love. Yeah. That is the the holy love from God that is irrespective of works. It is pure grace. And uh, there's the phileo as well, which is the brotherly love, and eros, which is romantic marital love. But that agape love, when when a child or a younger person in the faith that we have the uh, privilege to intentionally disciple connects the agape love of God with our love for that person, yep. which is irrespective of works or even failure, uh, that is so precious that alone can help to break up the heart so that they can be receptive yeah. to the gospel and to sanctification, Absolutely. growing in Christ. Absolutely. There's a sense where when that love is modeled by a friend, by a family member, by a parent, mm. that when the truth of the gospel is then articulated mm-hmm. to that person, it will sound congruent mm-hmm. and not incongruent. Yes. It'll sound like an echo or a familiarity 
He'll be like, I've, I know I felt that mm-hmm. because this, because my mom loves me unconditionally. Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, I can understand how then God could love me with that same kind of gracious mm-hmm. love. Obviously, the love of God and that gracious love, that's actually more fundamental. Yes. <laughs> Your parent expressing that to you is actually derivative of God's love. Yes. But in some ways, the access point to understanding God and that love he shows us in the gospel is is firstly modeled in the sacrificial love you receive from others horizontally, if you will. Mm-hmm. That's that's as as we read, I mean, in this in this book, we talk about it talks about having time together, creating intentional time that it's the rhythms of life that provide opportunities for then the gospel to be displayed and lived out. It can be something as simple as you you mentioned my family doing walks. We just decided this month we were gonna try something new that after dinner, we were just going to get the flat. It's dark now in, in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in December, it's incredibly dark um, after dinner. And we're just going to get the flashlights out and take the dog out and go for a walk with flashlights. Yeah. Like, I mean, kids love it. They call it a flashlight walk. Let's go on a flashlight walk. That's great. And what's happened, I mean, we've been just been, we've done it a, a lot of times um, prior, but it was more sporadic. Mm-hmm. We just decided, hey, let's just do this every night wow. or most nights, yeah. whenever we don't have some other commitment to be with people or something. And what it has created is a, a place where we have um, 20 minutes or so where the kids, or my kids just want to talk and they'll talk about whatever they care about, whatever happened during the day. I'll ask them questions and something so sweet that happened during one of these walks last week. My older daughter, as we're talking, it was kind of cold. Of course, it's winter. She sort of like walks closer towards me and she kind of slipped her arm in under my arm mm. and we like walked arm in arm with her like snuggling up against me as we're going and she's talking to me about her day. Wow. And I was just like, this is solid gold. That's like awesome. This, but it can be as simple as being intentional with the time you spend with the people that you care about or it might not be a two-way street. Mm-hmm. You might intentionally spend time with someone who doesn't reciprocate the kind of love that you would desire. Mm. But in some sense, that's your gift of sacrifice to them to care for someone who is in need, either physically in need because they're struggling, they've got a job situation that has changed, they've got uh, physical or illnesses, or or maybe they just they struggle to be emotionally vulnerable enough to have a friend. Yes. And you may say, I'm going to spend quality time with this person because I'm going to model Jesus's love to them. Mm-hmm. even if it's not reciprocated. Yeah, and uh, inspired by what you just said, Brent, regarding the intentional walk, I, I think of two quick anecdotes in my personal life, uh, and I'll go in, in order of chronology. In July, Wendy hosted uh, our, our new niece-in-law, Noel, for a, a wedding shower, and I got to be in the outbuilding with my nephew, Simon, Simon Paul Arnberg. I've heard to him in the past, and if his family is listening, that he is the uh, one on Spotify with Simon Paul Arnberg music. But um, it was yep. we spent about three hours talking large talk about marriage and uh, talking about um, how you need to be careful of commitments the first year because you got to focus on Noel. It's very biblical. Um, and that was great. It was a good time together and we never ran into things to talk about. But they left, uh, the, the, the big party left and then I didn't see Simon until his wedding, but I saw in the outbuilding, he left me a note a handwritten note about three pages long, which is the most expressive I've ever seen him toward me to thank me for mentoring him for the first 23 years of his life. I thought, wow, he didn't go to the Air Force Academy like his older brothers. And I did go backpacking with him and the Boy Scouts and things. But for him to... 
uh, give that specific intentional, there's the operative word, intentional note of gratitude. In a sense, it discipled me because it showed me the end result of those years of efforts of playing games, yep. of having movie parties, of going backpacking, which all of which are good things, but they're innocuous in and of themselves. Yeah. But then I also, on those backpacking trips, I would lead devotions with the Boy Scout troops. Yep. I, we earned the duty to God badge when we went to I believe Northern Tier in 2013 or maybe yep. Philmont 2016. Uh, the other thing that's more recent that, um, again, I count this as disabled toward me. Uh, Wendy and I were at her family century farm for Thanksgiving, mm. and uh, we had a big table of extended family, and there wasn't really time with a lot of kids and a lot of noise to go around and each person thank, say what he or she is thankful for. Yep. So driving home, we listened to the Messiah soundtrack, which is our tradition on the way home from Thanksgiving, Messiah to kick off Advent. Wendy said, okay, Paul, now let's take time to thank the Lord for what he has done yeah. because we didn't have a chance over the Thanksgiving. And she said something, and often when Wendy, my wife, says things, not only do they go into my mind like a steel trap, I then share them with many others like here on the podcast. She said, Paul, for about 25 years, uh, you were absolutely dependent on my involvement in Jugheads as a graphic designer, organizer, as all these other things. And she knew implicitly, and she said it articulately, unless I were to give up Jughead, she was on the hook as well. So there was a mutual uh, need that we had to give it up. Then she said, that is done, and it's liberating for her, for me to now come to church, and this is my vocation. But yep. she says, our new ministry, it used to be Jughead's, our new ministry is Arnishire. Yeah. So she's so intentional about having people over, about showering them with hospitality. And I share in that too. We have different kinds of hospitality. She's wonderful at cooking and creating the space. Yep. I'm good about programming and what movies and games and recreational activities. But for her to say that in yep. the context of Thanksgiving weekend not only blessed me, it empowers me to say it's good I'm outside the home doing something in the church instead of lamenting, oh no, our marriage ministry is gone from Jugheads. It's it's renewed at Arnishire yeah. to the glory of God because my wife is content, yep. she's empowered, and I'm on a new path. And so yeah. the, the, the context of discipleship, Brent, and listeners, is that you will sometimes be surprised when there's intentional time people speaking into your life as well as you speaking to their lives. But the, the common denominator is give God the glory, seek him for wisdom, yep. use the word of God, use quantity of time, use activities, back to disciple by doing, to make every yep. moment count, redeem the time for the days are evil, Ephesians 5.16. Yeah, amen. I, I, that's really the heart of it. And I'm glad you, you mentioned disciple by doing, because really we're talking about one of the flavors of what that means is the intentional time together. And as the, the resource we're talking about, this family discipleship book, it takes it one step further, which is you have that time, and we've already been discussing this, but just to put a fine point on yes. it, within that time together, you will see that there's opportunities, strategically, opportunities to have specific conversations that take it to another level. Yes. Be aware and and prayerfully consider those. One of the things I, I loved just recently on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. here at our church, Glenn Olson, one of our elders... And his family had been here for 37 years um, at the church. Um, he, he shared on a Sunday morning right around Thanksgiving. He said, I want to encourage you when you're going to spend time with others. And he was talking about specifically family around Thanksgiving. He said, pray for them by name before you even go yes. and spend time with them. And he said, and when you find yourself, when you pray for people before you go, mm-hmm. you will find that your anticipation, your expectations, your 
craving and desire to, to talk with them, to go to another level of conversation that's not just superficiality, you'll be more curious to see, okay, I've been praying for this person. I'm really interested to see what's been happening in their life. You're looking for how has God been working? Mm-hmm. You'll see answers to those prayers. You'll see ways that God is working in those people. And he said, you're just, your whole perspective changes. Yes. So the admonition was pray for those people before you go. But this is why it, it, when we talk disciple by doing, especially when you have intentional time together within that intentional time, you'll find those key moments where you can either encourage someone, draw them to a scriptural truth to, to help teach or admonish or, or, or encourage them. Or you can even find a moment of just, it doesn't even have to be words. Sometimes it's just a hug. Sometimes it's huh. eye contact. Sometimes it's some way that you come alongside them and help draw them into deeper walk with the Lord. Yes, God will use you, dear brother and sister listening to this, mm-hmm. <laughs> as part of the body of Christ to minister to one another in those ways. Yes, And that's across the whole body, but that's also within your home, in your workplace, in all the relationships that you have. That's what we mean when we say wholehearted, whole life discipleship. Yeah, I thank you for bringing up Glenn's quote, or that that he said that to the whole congregation, is just before his pastoral prayer as one of our elders. And I really appreciated that too, because I think of Glenn and the other four elders, I think of the six staff, I think of the 200 plus congregants here at New Life. Everyone has stuff and every family extended family has stuff. And so Glenn was not speaking in a vacuum. He wasn't speaking as just this wise 60-year-old elder, I will now yeah. bequeath a blessing to you. He says, no. Uh, and and th- it corroborates with another adage I've heard over the years. When you pray for somebody, yeah. you're less likely to hate that person mm. or to even have tension with a person. Pray earnestly, walking up to the church doors or walking up to Thanksgiving dinner, or in this context, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, whatever the context of the events coming up, you pray for those individual families family members, individual family members, and you will be less apt to hold on to what is past and at least be, uh, as St. Francis of Assisi yeah. said, an instrument of the Lord's peace. Yeah. It softens your heart. Yeah, it totally that's true. Does. Keith Green. Yeah. So, okay. So last element of this, yes. and we'll kind of land here, is within the quantity and quality of time that you spend with those key moments that you find that you, God's going to sort of work in that relationship and draw you into a deeper place. And that can be something as simple as... Uh, driving in the car together and pointing out to a friend or to your kids something beautiful that you see in God's creation and saying, isn't it amazing that God made it that way? Yes. Like even just simple comments like that draw our attention back to the centrality of the Lordship of Jesus in all things, Mm -hmm. right? Now, in the midst of that, we need to be cautious or not cautious, but intentional to set up milestones or steps along the path even things as simple as, and in the old days, it's, you know, we call them rites of passage, right? Yes. A, a rite of passage is a part of who we are as people that there's certain things, even like getting a driver's license. It's like, wow, I got this, you know, I, I'm able to drive myself somewhere. Why don't we think in that kind of a mentality of m- milestones and rites of passage almost to, to, to help young, especially young people grow in their faith and take a further step, encouraging that young person to pray during the family meal Yes, for the first time, coaching mm. them through that, mm-hmm. helping them see that that's actually, there's gravity to it. It's not something you do flippantly. Yes, Those milestones help encourage steps along the way to see fruit, to see intentionality, to see growth as mm-hmm. you move along, and then to grow as a part of the body of Christ. 
across yeah, the world. And that to give them an opportunity to, like you say, pray around the family dinner. Uh, how can we think of family traditions? How can we think of things that are anticipated activities that are, are good? And then, like you said, let the child. Just recently, we had Erica Little over. She's a, a dear friend of ours, a former Jughead and a former uh, artistic director. And she said she and her family, they're in her late 20s now, she and her sister, Carolyn. Every Christmas, every New Year's, every uh, Thanksgiving, they watch the similar movies, whether it's White Christmas or It's Wonderful Life or whatever. They look forward to that in their late 20s and they're a family of faith. So they have these traditions that from their very youngest conscious, conscious ages, they have these traditions. Every family should think about that, how to be intentional. Don't just let the football game in the background or or the whatever, the, the prayerless meal or whatever. Yeah. Be intentional uh, and... <clears throat> As we approach the the Christmas season, that wonderful sweet spot between Christmas and New Year's, as well as the doldrums of winter, use those times as opportunities to teach, to model, to practice, and a moment in time can make a difference in somebody's life. A milestone in time celebrates those accumulative moments, and also remember, quantity of time often leads to the quality time, like uh, your dear daughter nuzzling up to you on a flashlight (laughs) walk in Hastings, Minnesota. Yeah, it's so good. So be encouraged, friends. Find those moments and milestones and encourage your, uh, you know, significant others in your life to do the same. I think just as a broadly as a church, um, it matters so much that we see discipling as a thing that happens day by day in even the mundane. It's not something that just is the professionals or the thing that we do on Sunday. Yes. And so, yes, that is sort of like the family gathering, the family meal, and we hear from the Lord through the preaching of God's Word and we're fellowship, all the things that are wonderful about the gathering. Yes. But then there's all those moments day by day where you can look at a friend and, and speak an encouraging word as you apply Scripture and you apply the truth of the gospel into the everyday moments. That's what is going to be really effective in training us and helping us grow. So Excellent. my encouragement. Well, as we wrap it up, the book again that we have been referring to is Family Discipleship by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin by Crossway Books. Have a great Advent 2023. Look forward to hearing us hopefully every week here on Roots and Branches at New Life EFC.